Welcome back to the podcast, guys. We have an exclusive interview with Kenyan novelist Yvonne Adiembo-War that was conducted in Adil Cafe by Lavington Moore. She talks about her relationship with the late great Kenyan writer Binyavanga Wenaina, the China that she writes about in her book The Dragonfly Sea, and she shares some of her favorite women writers. We would like to thank Prestige Books for sponsoring this edition of the podcast. Remember, Prestige Books is your favorite bookstore for your African and other literatures with branches on Mamangina Street in the Central Business District and at the Lovington Mall. Enjoy! Uh, first of all, thank you Yvonne for accepting to do this interview. Oh, you're so welcome, Jimo. Anything for you. <laughs> okay, thanks. So, um, I'll, let's start with the beginning. You started uh, first as a short story writer. You had this beautiful story, Wait of Whispers, that uh, has been deemed to be the best short story to have won the Kane Prize. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just curious, like, um, this is what you, this was your first short story. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell, tell us a little bit about this story? Well, um, thank you for the question. And it's a major walk back down memory lane. Um, the story emerged out of um, a particular period of time in Kenya, a time of a kind of strange cultural and artistic zeitgeist post movie uh, where we thought all things were possible uh, and in the time of possibility I run into uh, my beloved and cherished Binyavanga uh, Wainaina and quite frankly and I don't even make a joke about it I wrote that book to get I wrote that story to get Binyavanga off my back <laughs> uh, he'd call four or five times a day just going on is the story done yet <laughs> and he believed very strongly that there was a, a, a story of fiction inside me and he dragged it out. So yes, I'm, I wrote it in five days um, and, and it, because of the undue pressure. <laughs> and uh, strangely enough, it was a story that, uh, it's the very first uh, fiction story I ever wrote in a public way. It's also the story that opened the doors of my current vocation, yes. So you, you, you talked about Binyavanga, who was a larger than life character for for Kenyan and African writing. And uh, I mean, I just wanted to know, I mean, he passed away last year. Um, I mean, how, how, how influential was he for you and others? Um, it's, it is no exaggeration to say that, um, certainly for me, I wouldn't be uh, a writer if it were not for Binyavanga. There's something he saw in me. He believed in me long, long before I believed in myself miss him terribly. He was the person through whom uh, I, you know, he's the first person who looked at any one of my scripts, any one of my, you know, my text, my manuscripts, any premise that I had um, would have to pass through him. Um, um, he was a mentor uh, and, and, and just an incredible presence. And, you know, I, and also, uh, you know, uh, those are the lovely things, but there was also the critic. I would write in the fear of the Binyavanga gaze because the first time I presented him uh, with the book dust in its form, in the form that it was, he just he looked me straight in the eye and said, Yvonne, this is crap. <laughs> no, 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 the crap is the polite way. He said, Yvonne, this is shit. Mm. And which meant start to write all over again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, he was, um, because of his generous heart, his generous spirit, um, uh, a bit like the sun that donates its, its, its energy and its life without asking for more, too much more from the other. Um, it, his pleasure was the, the, uh, the growth and the success of, of the writers who 
he had drawn into his heart. Um, and it's not just Africa, even in, you know, even in Europe, in Germany, you run into people, young, especially young, young women, young men, who wouldn't have gotten into writing if it hadn't been for Binyabanga. So, I mean, like, um, I, I just want to mention, like, uh, so the book you've mentioned, Dust, I mean, I, I have to mention, like, it took a while to come out, eh? mm. um, which um, uh, people really waited for a long while. <laughs> and I, I think you took a bit of a segue with different, like, career paths. And yes. <laughs> do, do, you, do you mind just talking a bit about that? About that. Yeah. Oh, quite frankly, the book Dust took a long, long, long time, seven years um, in production, because um, it, it was also linked, I guess, to the life of the author. It took me another 10 years to be able to actually call myself a writer, full stop, right? rather than a person who does other things, who happens to write. Um, it, it, it's, it's not just about him being an imposter syndrome, it was not grasping the jealousy of the writing muse, um, but also the fear of, the, of, of losing the familiar, the, the monthly salary, uh, the community of, uh, of corporate friends, the idea of a life path and trajectory. Um, but, and and I, I did everything, I did everything to try to accommodate, to do both, you know, run the Zanzibar Film Festival, work for Aga Khan, and I thought that I could do this and then write in the weekend. But no, 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 not at all. My, nothing, nothing could emerge. Um, so at one point, I, I had to stop lying to myself when even in the midst of great work at Aga Khan, I was so miserable in my spirit. And uh, when I resigned without even knowing what was going to happen next, without knowing what was, you know, how I would feed myself the next month. Uh, but I also knew I had to simplify my own lifestyle. But I knew I would, I would had to do this in order to just focus on writing. Yeah. So that's, and it is, it is in doing that then that the book found its life, its form, its energy. So, um, yeah, to those of you out there who have jealous muses, Polly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, um, I mean, I, I, a lot has been said about the book, and, uh, and I'm, I'll just have a little go through about it. Like, this, this book, um, it talks about uh, a period of uh, sh shifting from independence, and then it jumps to a, cert a certain present. Would you mind talking about a bit about this book? The story it's a, it's, it's, it's a story of a family, um, um, a Kenyan family in all its complexities, located in the biggest part of Kenya, northern Kenya. Uh, Let those of Nairobi think that they are the biggest part of Kenya. Um, and it's, uh, strangely enough, I, I would say a typical family in that it's, it's mixed, mixed culture which is something we don't acknowledge or celebrate enough in Kenya um, as we try to pretend that we are uh, homogeneously one culture, one ethnic community, which is a complete ally. Uh, so it focuses on this family. So in the, in the beginning, uh, so it, uh, and, and the protagonist is a, a young woman who comes back home in order to make sense of the death of her heroic brother. Um, but in the process, um, the uncovering of secrets and, and silences and ghosts um, that have been buried so deep, uh, and, and the uncovering happens so that um, the family can come into peace. Uh, it was, a, I guess, an allegory for Kenya as well. Uh, the, the, 
uh, and the book itself emerged from the uh, the Kenya the Kenya paradoxes, the Kenya contradictions, especially the culmination with the uh, um, 2007-2008 post-election balance and the certainty that through stupidity we can lose a country. A people can be stupid enough to lose their nation. So, um, what did this book do for your career? It's Gosh, dust, dust was an incredible calling card. Um, opened the doors of the literary world, the literary universe for me, and ensured that I could finally, strangely enough, it took another two years, I could finally have the courage to call myself a writer. And that was the most important. That was, that was, that was very significant for me to be able to wear the cloak of the writer and do so with confidence and certainty. And, and vulnerability uh, and understand that this is my path now. Uh, and I think for me that was the most significant shift, a significant moment. Um, but, uh, but I think what, you know, there's that, but it also meant then that um, um, in, the, in the literary universe uh, one could be taken almost seriously. You become taken seriously with your second book. <laughs> yes. No, no, that's when you're really there now. now. Now you're there. Now they say, okay, she is, she is, she's committed to this path. <laughs> yeah, which is actually a very good segue to your second book. Um, so, as uh, we're sitting in a, in a cafe in Nairobi, yes. and your first book talks about northern Kenya, mm -hmm. and then your second book, Dragonfly Sea, talks about the coast of Kenya. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know, is it, what's with it, Nairobi? Nairobi, see Kenya, only thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 a vanity, I think, and, and Nairobi perhaps needs it in order to um, um, make itself relevant. But the, the idea of uh, but the, but the, the, the truth is that there there are many Kenyas and there are many centers in this Kenya that also look aghast <laughs> at Nairobi. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, but having said that, um, I'm a Nairobian myself, so, and being a Nairobian means that you're plural, you're many things, you're many peoples, um, you, 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 you're open to the world, uh, and but also to all the influences from different parts of the country. So, um, so that's also the gift of Nairobi, and maybe it's only the politicians that don't recognize that gift, but I think a lot of us who have grown here recognize that to be of this city is to be of many places of Kenya too. Yes. So now we go into your second book, The Drug Comply Sea, which I've just uh, I've just mentioned. Mm -hmm. This this book is uh, you know based on the coast of uh, coast of Kenya, mm -hmm. and then our protagonist finally ends up in China. Um, I, I hate when people say don't spoil things. <laughs> no, they end up in China. I mean, I'm just curious. Like um, the way I read this China, the China was, you know, you know the way we, we people read America of them. You know, they call it the American dream. Yes, yes. It was almost like the China was the Amer. It was showing that that China. Um, you want to talk to that, by yeah. the way? I assure you, that for for more people than we care to admit, China is the dream. Um, and it's the not America dream, uh, and it's the place of immense, uh, not immense possibilities and viabilities, and 
the interesting thing is that um, East Africans, and I think Kenyans have been doing that much longer than, we, uh, than we've given them credit for. It's only that the rest of the world has caught up on this because a lot of people have just come to the understanding that, you know, the next century is Chinese. Um, I've, I've been really interested in the number, you know, of, of Europeans and Americans who, as part of their process of, of becoming whatever it is they want to become, they have to spend two, three years in China. And, and I always wonder why they begrudge Africans that. <laughs> you know, you know, you go to you go you go to Chinese um, uh, cities and kind of port areas. Every single one of the global conglomerates have got a presence there. I always wonder. I, I've always been curious about. It's almost as if there's a desire to ensure that the, our continent remains always peripheral to the great happenings. And so, actually, the but quite frankly, the I, I want I was interested in a story that explores the meaning of the return of China um, uh, to East Africa in the intimate and normal histories of normal people, of ordinary people, of, of people who would be regarded invisible, uh, not the voice of politicians, not the voice of, of bureaucrats, but the ordinary, ordinary, ordinary people who live ordinarily. Um, and, and in the process of research, I think what, what, I, what struck me most in the process of the research which I did uh, along the coast uh, in Zanzibar and in Lamu was that the history of China is such an, an old one and so embedded in the life and the histories of the coast uh, with, with no, no drama about it. it no one is over impressed. So that, yeah, that's the word. No one was over impressed that China has returned mm. among the ordinary, ordinary quotation marks people I, I met and talked to. It's only the the Western media and now our media, the, the, the facsimiles of media that we have here, um, that have taken on the the, the noise uh, without understanding what what actually what what possible advantages exist for us in the restoration of this relationship. I was interested in African takes, and I was so disappointed that our own Africa position is not yet has not yet been formulated um, in order for us to understand what do we want out of this relationship. Yes. So, so what I want to do now is, uh, um, what I want to do, because, because it is Women's Month, and um, I, I just wanted to know what are some of the women writers that you, you know, you want us to, to be reading, um, African, of course. African. Okay. Uh, I want to do it for because you, if you did every all the women, okay. Actually, just any any writers. Yes, you know. Um, first of all, I, I I would I would beg your pardon. I would never impose my uh, reading lists oh, on anybody yes. else. But I would I would make some suggestions. Actually, um, uh, a great and mighty. Um, influential women um, authors, uh, you know, um, for me, would include people like Jane Austen, uh, the Bronte sisters, the, I would absolutely include uh, Asenath Odaga, Grace Ogot, oh my amazing, amazing, if they have been she kind of wish she had written more, Grace Ogot, what a, what a gifted, what a talent really. Um, Marjorie Olive, um, um, 
uh, let's see, I'm, I'm traversing the world. They're, they're, so, they're so many. You know how you chew a lock? <laughs> <laughs> okay, now of course, this... Tony Morris, uh, mm. Alice Walker, Octa oh, of course, Octavia Butler. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Oh, Arundhati. Did I say Arundhati Royal? No, you haven't yet. So, uh, Arundhati. Oh, God, I forgot my darling Arundhati. Yeah. Amrita Shah. Um, you know, uh, of course, Dorothy Lessing. Of Dorothy Lessing. Oh, yes, Dorothy Lessing. Um, you know, they, every Leila Bulela, Maza Mengiste, all, you know, every woman has a perspective. Every woman has a point of view. Um, and, and the gift of, 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 of seeing in a way that uh, a woman is imbued with seeing at the world or witnessing to the world. Yeah, so I mean, there's, there's such an incredible variety of choices. Yes, this, this woman who, what's her name? How can I forget her? The one who, I think she got the Nobel Prize recently for literature, Alexandria, the woman who writes testimonies. I actually know this name. <laughs> it's here, isn't it? Love her, love her work, love her style. Um, it'll come. I'm sure it'll come after we finish this. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, okay, so I'll just say thank you for the interview. You're so welcome. Thank you.